Hi everyone, it's Karen Chong. Welcome to another episode of Mastering Your World Through Frequencies, where we explore how frequencies shape our world and begin to release the unconscious patterns that keep us stuck so we can realize our greatest potential. Have you ever noticed yourself eating when you're stressed out or bored or are just procrastinating? Often when we eat, we're not even particularly hungry. We're eating compulsively because we're seeking comfort, soothing ourselves. We're eating for emotional reasons. In this episode, we talk about what emotional eating is, what causes us to eat compulsively even if we're not really hungry, and what the best way is to help us stop what can feel like out-of-control and self-sabotaging behavior. And after the discussion, we get to the most important part. The group frequency calibration associated with this episode is where the frequency work happens and where change actually occurs. So be sure to listen to that. Without releasing distortion patterns targeted by the GFC, the change you want will be more difficult to attain because you haven't addressed the root of the issue. If you like this episode, please help us out by hitting the like button. And if you want to make sure you don't miss our regular new content, click the subscribe button too. Today, in Mastering Your World Through Frequencies, we're discussing when hunger is not the issue, transcending emotional eating. Emotional eating is a really interesting topic, I think, mm. for lots of people. I mean, we know that there's a whole industry makes a lot of money from it, yeah. right? And for me, there's a difference on how it manifests in people. Yeah. So I kind of wanted to talk to you about how you would describe emotional eating and how it differs from, let's say, compulsive mm -hmm. eating or even people... Emotionally, I think that includes people that don't eat as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how would you describe emotional eating from your perspective? Yeah. And then how would we as people recognize when that's happening? happening. Yeah. yeah, I think a lot of people don't realize when they're doing it. So you hit the nail on the head. So to me, emotional eating is when we're eating because we're seeking comfort or... Um, eating in response to an emotion that we're not acknowledging or processing. So we're eating to try and make ourselves feel better. There's that sense of comfort I mentioned. Or because we don't really know what else to do to process that emotion. So we eat because there's a certain sense of certainty and satiation that comes from that momentary pleasure of eating. And the comfort. And the comfort of it. Mm. Also, what can happen is that because you are eating, it brings you, without you realizing it, more into your body. Sometimes. For mm -hmm. some people, it makes them more aware of themselves because you're in the physical act of eating. And for a lot of people, um, eating is a way of experiencing pleasure. Mm. It's funny. When we use the word pleasure in English, we often think about it as sexual. Yeah. You know? But there's so many ways that you can experience pleasure, like through your senses, and eating is one of them that's commonly shared with you know, most humans. Yeah. And so when you experience that pleasure, it's not just comfort. It's like you've given yourself a little treat. Yeah. And a lot of people have association with eating as like, especially if it's something that's like 
you know, sugary or, you know what mm. I mean, that you would get as a treat when you were a kid. We have this association of like being good or being accepted with it. Do you see yeah. what I'm saying for a lot of people? Yeah. And yeah. there's a lot of other things happening in the background as well, like physiologically. Yes. Sugar is giving us a bit of a high. Right? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's happy hormone oh, release thing yes. that's happening. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And well, while you were talking, I was just wondering mm -hmm. how... If these people are not aware of their emotions, are not aware of when they're being triggered, are not aware of the discomfort mm -hmm. inside of them and they're eating, how do they find that place then? I guess that's my main question. Like, I'm eating it. I mm -hmm. don't know. I'm feeling that feeling. But I'm eating in response. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But how do I know? How do I get away? Mm -hmm. Am I really hungry or is this in response to? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that when you release your distortions, you get more distance from that that sort of compulsive eating. So to answer your first question, what's the difference between compulsive eating and emotional eating? Mm -hmm. Like this is just my definition. I'm not saying it's like the standard definition in psychology of what the two different things are. But for me, what I've observed in people and on frequency level is that compulsive, what we call compulsive eating, which is the act of eating without control. You just all of a sudden feel like you need sugar. You're not really hungry, but you feel like you want to eat it. Or, you know, all of a sudden you're just like, you, you have this uncontrollable desire to eat that bag of chips. Like, or you really all of a sudden want that like huge burger with the fries and the massive milkshake. Like you, you just, you want it because you're stressed out. You know, like compulsive eating to me is when you're emotionally eating and not even recognizing that you're eating emotionally, meaning you're eating in response to your emotion, in reaction to your emotion. Compulsive eating to me is like you're, you're like not even aware of the emotional component. It's a more unconscious, mm -hmm. it's less aware. And that brings me back to that question. So yeah. how do we, I mean, I'm guessing to stop the compulsive eating, yeah. that we have to become aware of the emotion first. Yes. And so there's like this fight because the person that's doing the eating is eating because they're in response to an emotion, but yeah. they don't know they're in the response yes. to the emotion. Yes, it's true. So how do we bring that awareness yes. to the situation? Is there things that we, we can, can do? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So first, I'm just going to say that there are things you can do. And as you release your distortion patterns, you get to see it more clearly, like what is causing you to eat. Yeah. So and I'll just give a little example. Like, for example, this morning I was um, working and we have a lot coming up this month. OK, so at the time that we're shooting this, I have a lot of things on my calendar that I have to get done. And as a result, I was feeling a little stressed for time because I was like, whoa, how am I going to get it all done? There's a part of me that's aware it's all going to flow and whatever's most important is going to happen. And then there's like the me as a person being like, good Lord, that's a lot on my calendar, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Mm, hungry. I'm hungry. And I was like, wait a minute. Am I really hungry or am I stressed for time? I'm like, I'm stressed for time. So I feel like I want to eat because it'll make me feel like I'm more in control of the situation. Do you see what I'm saying? I've done enough work on myself. I've released enough of my distortion to recognize when the compulsion came in to eat. I was like, I had a space and time where I could ask the question, am I really hungry? Mm, so that would be one mm -hmm. tool to use. Yes. That the minute I reach for food yeah. or anybody reaches for food, the question to ask oneself is, wait, am I actually hungry? hungry? Or am I in response to something here? Yes. Oh, okay. The right. other question I've used before when I reached for something, and I used to compulsively eat a lot. Okay. So um, I totally understand this from like just an emotional standpoint. What happened for me as I started clearing my distortion patterns is I'd be reaching for like, my thing would be chocolate, by the way. So I'd kind of ping between chocolate and chips. That's uh -huh. one of my two things, like the savory <laughs> and the sweet. Like that was my thing. So Dangerous combination <laughs> when they're combined. I know. I, mean, I could eat that like all day long. So anyway, 
I'd find myself, and I'd always keep the snacks in a certain cupboard, yeah? So there's like a <laughs> place where I would go to <laughs> if I was feeling whatever I was feeling. Wow, that in itself is something, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. If you have to have a cupboard that's separated from the rest of your food mm-hmm. because that's your comfort cupboard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I have a place. Wow. Exactly, you recognize that because it's not mixed in. It's like my treat area. Uh-huh. Okay? So to recognize that in your own behavior. Okay. But I would reach for the chocolate, let's just say in that particular moment, instead of the chips, and I'd actually be moving towards it and I'd have the space because I'd released enough of my distortion to not just ask the question, am I hungry? I would also ask the question, do I really want this right now? Mm. Do I really want this right now? And then I would ask a second question. Will I be happy that I've eaten this in half an hour? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so I would ask those two questions because there's, do I want this right now? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I totally want that right now. Just give me the chocolate. Stop asking me stupid questions. Just give me the chocolate. Right. And then the second question of like, will I feel good about this? Or, you know, how will I feel about this? in five minutes or 10 minutes or half an hour, whatever I would say in that moment. In the craving, if the craving was really strong, I'd make it a shorter window of time. I'd be like in five minutes. Cause you know, when you're like down the thing, mm-hmm. well, at least for me, I would like eat it really. F- and it's fun- funny when I would emotionally eat or compulsively eat, I would eat fast. There wasn't like this like long mm. savoring of the thing. I'd be like, wow. I would eat really fast. Right. And then, but then I would feel bad afterwards. Uh-huh. Okay. So that's why I would ask that question in five minutes or 10 minutes, um, how am I going to feel about having eaten this thing? Okay, let me just unpack that a little bit. Because, I mean, there could be some people there saying lots of things about that phrase in itself. Mm -hmm. I feel bad about Mm -hmm. eating. That's quite a um, controversial thing with food, right? Totally. So um, the feeling bad, is it like you physically felt bad after eating it because it really did not sit well in your body or emotionally you felt it was bad. emotional and that's why this is this is what it comes back to with emotional eating so for me because i would feel low self-worth or non-worthiness or shame mm. you know or guilt i shouldn't have eaten that because i had been so rigid about what i would eat and not eat that if i would give myself and i would eat it very fast like i was being naughty oh. you know like i ate the thing and then I would be like, oh, no, I ate the thing. I was bad. Like, I came off my little regimented what I'm allowed to eat thing, you know, schedule. Do you see right. what I'm saying? I do. So for somebody who was like like me, who emotionally eats like that, because, you know, I was feeling stressed or I was feeling whatever I was feeling, and then I would compulsively or emotionally eat, then I would beat myself up afterwards. So it's a terrible cycle that you get into, or at least I got into when I was emotionally eating, because I would feel bad before I would feel bad afterwards. <laughs> so yeah. there's no way. Almost worse. Yeah, it's worse. So it's like you're beating yourself up on both ends of the cycle. Okay, so yeah. so just so that we can cover this, because I know mm-hmm. there's going to be people listening saying, well, yeah. that sounds like anorexia, mm-hmm. you know, or the beginning of anorexia, yeah. or some type of anorexia yeah. where you want to eat and then you, you eat it, but then you feel bad and you obviously clearly didn't do the next step, which is a lot of them, a lot of the people out there will make themselves sick. Yeah. You know, because, oh, oh you mean be bulimic. In that. You yeah. Mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. Bulimia and you know, anorexia sometimes are linked, yes, right? Yes, absolutely. And I'm wondering if people are going to be hearing this, they're going to be wondering, well, isn't that just, you know, like maybe stage one or anorexia? Yeah. And I think that that's what it is. I think that a lot of eating disorders, and I went to an all girls school. So yeah. this is like really rampant in young girls wow. because um, we're all, shown in the media that we're supposed to be thin. Mm. So if you eat something naughty, then you shouldn't be eating it. 
because then you'll be fat. And then if you're fat, then you're not accepted and you're not loved and you're not wanted and you're not popular and you won't find a boyfriend and all these silly things that we think. Yeah. Yes. And they're not so silly when you feel them. And so I feel like a lot of eating disorders start with emotional eating yeah. and then distort. Uh -huh. okay? So a lot of times um, I feel like whether you know, you're a young girl of 14, 15, 16, 17, or you're a woman who's in her 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. We have as women, not just women, men too, but mm -hmm. a lot of times for women, because we're supposed to be thin in mm -hmm. our culture, a lot of this like stage one pre-eating mm -hmm. disorder, emotional eating stuff going on. Yeah. We just do. Yeah. You know, because it's not okay for us just to feel okay about what we're eating. <laughs> it's very strange, but it really is prevalent in our culture. It's it's very, very shocking. And I've heard once someone started to ask, like, what do you, like to a set of girls, like young girls at a certain age, what do you want to be when you grow up? And one of the most popular answers was famous. And the second most popular answer was thin. <gasps> and I was like, well, that's messed up. Ooh. Right? Yeah, that's so, sad. That's really sad. Yeah. So that means that there is so much emphasis to me when I hear that. I'm like, there's so much emphasis on being accepted, mm -hmm. you know, by something external to you. If not, you're not okay. Okay. So when you're talking like that, that's like a foundational, um, a, a foundational point of this whole emotional compulsive yeah. eating, right? Yeah. It's like, okay. So we, from your perspective and from the work that you teach, mm -hmm. I would suggest maybe then that that's part of the basics of this whole um coming to grips yeah. with the compulsive or emotional eating. eating yeah is this self-worth aspect yes, absolutely it's yeah. totally around self-worth and it's amazing because as i started to clear more and more of my distortions i started to have a different relationship with my body mm -hmm. and i had a different relationship with food and those two things sound like they're kind of related, but they're not always, you know, it's some people have a really hard time with their bodies. Mm -hmm. You know, they think of their bodies as, you know, painful or, or ugly or heavy or whatever. That's one thing. Mm -hmm. And then I had this whole other emotional thing with regards to low self-worth. Right. Yeah. And I've noticed that in a lot of people, that's the same. Yes. You know, those two things are often interlinked. So for me, the wonderful thing about frequency work is I started to clear on both of them. Mm. Okay. That to me, they're quite separate actually. Yeah. And so, I mean, I know they're linked, but they're quite yeah. different like routes that you can go down. And for me, I realized that um, I stopped caring so much about what other people thought I looked like. Mm -hmm. And it became more of how do I feel in my body? Yes. Like, do I feel strong in my body? Do I feel good about what I'm eating? Like, meaning, do I feel like what I'm eating is sustaining me? Is it nourishing me? Like I could really sense that in the food I was eating. Mm -hmm. Did it feel good after I was eating it? You know, like how can I nourish myself? How do I nourish my husband? You know, because it's like a lovely thing to give that gift of nourishment mm -hmm. for me. And so it became something different rather than I've been bad because I've eaten off the like very narrow parameters of what's acceptable and good and will make me thin and attractive and loved and accepted. Yeah. See? Yeah. It's really different. Because yeah. I was going to ask you about that. That was the next part. Yeah. Uh, oftentimes, the body craves yes. certain things. Can, yeah. I mean, if, especially if you're doing a lot of sport. Yeah. You've gone from nothing to a lot of sport. Yeah. And suddenly you're craving salty, greasy, fatty. Oh. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And, and, and how do we walk to the cupboard, like you say, and ask yourself, do I really want this? Or is this emotional? Yeah. And in, I'm in response to an emotion. Yeah. And I think, for what I'm hearing you say, like you do have to have this relationship with your body. Yes. You have to be in it and yeah. know that, wait, yeah, I am lacking a mineral. I can feel it. Yeah. 
I don't know if crisps or <laughs> chips, you know, <laughs> is the actual mineral that I need to be in. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. Okay. So I guess, again, another part of this whole emotional or compulsive eating mm. is to be in the body. Yes. To be fully present yeah. in the body. Yeah. And I mean, how do you practice that? Yeah. So I think that it's really important. So to answer, to answer your question, I'm going to answer it in two ways. Yeah. So one, to become aware of the body where you're aware of the body as mm -hmm. opposed to your emotion actually is a discernment yes. to me. Okay. I, a lot of people will conflate those two things. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so because our emotions are so strong, mm -hmm. you know, and if we're feeling stressed or if we are going through a hard time or if we are working really hard you won't necessarily register the emotional aspect. You're just like, oh, I'm like, my body wants sugar. Yeah. We kind of like displace a little bit. We're like, my body wants this. I'm like, does my body really want it? Or just <laughs> like, you know, the me who wants to, like a treat because I've been hauling ass and working my butt off and like, I deserve a freaking treat right now, damn it. You know what I mean? Whatever mm -hmm. it is. Or I haven't eaten in four hours when I should have eaten in two. Two or whatever it is, right? Yeah. So I feel like that starts to become clearer as you release your distortions. Right. So what I do to stay my body is um, I and to be present in the body is I often use movement. Uh -huh. So that for me is a really big deal. It's not for everybody, but for me, it's like a movement thing is really important. Mm -hmm. I find that if I sit too long, I start to it's easy for me to like go up into my head and start to like stress out a little bit. Mm -hmm. So if I know that I'm going into a period where I'm going to be working a lot more, like like just in terms of whatever we're working on at Spherical Luminosity, I'll actually insert harder exercise classes. Uh -huh. into my day so that I have a, like, I'm basically forced in a way. I'm forcing myself to do something exertive so I can come back into the body. Yours is exercise. Yes. Somebody else could be sweeping and hoovering. Yes, so exactly. Any, any yes. movement. Any movement. Anything that moves you away from where you've been for yes. the last. Okay. Yes. And sometimes it's, for some people, it's just movement away from where you've been sitting for uh -huh. the past two to three hours freaking out about whatever it is that you're freaking out about or sad about something or depressed. Like sometimes the reason why walks can work for some people is not only are you at nature, but you're actually moving away physically mm -hmm. from the place where you associate with that stress. Yeah. For example. Yeah, totally. I have a story mm -hmm. I'd love to share because it's coming back to the uh, compulsive eating, but the emotional component to mm -hmm. that as well. Yeah. I think that's what you're saying. It's yes. all kind of interlinked. Linked. Yes, right? absolutely. So um, my husband had been really stressed, mm -hmm. like so stressed that he had actually forgotten that he'd eaten breakfast and had snacks. So when I came home about the lunchtime in the middle of the day, he said, I'm starving. I haven't eaten all day. And he literally zoned out because sitting on, stop, on top of the stovetop was the frying pan that he cooked the bacon and eggs in and the spatula. And I'm like, well, what was in this? You do, oh, yeah, bacon and eggs. Wow. Oh, yeah. you know, so that is that what you're talking about, that yes. disassociation? Total disassociation. Where you're just completely caught up, up in, in whatever's head. running. Mm -hmm. So you're thinking about work, you're thinking about a problem, you're thinking about someone being angry at you. When we are stressed, 
about our performance or our how people respond to us, we can very much go up here into the head and start to project into the future, you know, because we're living in not the present moment. We're living in what could be. Yeah. Or we're living in like, crap, I should have done this. Right? right. So you're not in the present moment at all. And like you said, when you eat, like this happens a lot with emotional eating. It's like you eat and you don't even register that you're eating. You're not present when you're eating. And so when you're eating, you're not satiated because you don't register that you are eating. Yeah. Like, like you emotionally, mentally, in your body, do not register it yeah so that sounds as you're talking like the crux of the whole thing yes right yep. it's like okay so if we're in this place where we've shifted from our body like not being fully present yeah and we're caught up in the story yeah that you know we've convinced ourselves is supremely more yeah. urgent <laughs> yes yeah very much so so what you're suggesting is is that we do something to bring us back yes before totally. we head to the cupboard yes this special so comfort cupboard, cupboard. <laughs> yes exactly and for a lot of people i mean i gave a whole um series on ending emotional eating because this is such a huge issue mm -hmm. and the thing is without clearing the distortion it's really hard to get out of that pattern i know because i've tried to do it can i just stop you there yeah because I've heard you say it a few times, without clearing the distortion, are you talking about specific distortions related to emotional eating? Yes. Okay. Yes. So there are very specific distortions around emotional eating. Some of it, it has to do with like non-deserving of thriving. Some of it has mm -hmm. to do with not being present. Others has to do with like holding your space around other people who might have issues with eating. You know, like mm -hmm. the holidays are coming up. Yeah. You know, and there's a lot of pressure. You know, when you go over to someone's home, or whether it's like your mother-in-law or your best friend or whomever you're going, you know, people are visiting now. It's the holidays. We share food. That's what we do when we celebrate. Mm -hmm. And so when you enter an org field where someone has issues around food, you're entering their org field. Mm -hmm. So how do you hold the space of yourself and your own frequency resonance and what feels nourishing and good to you when you're in that person's field? Mm -hmm. How do you do that? So there's a whole bunch of stuff that people don't really think about when we emotionally eat that is happening behind the scenes that you're not even aware of. Yeah. So when you clear those patterns and you can have distance, right? So just like when I caught myself, mm -hmm. when I was like, oh, I'm I'm not really hungry. You know what I mean? It gives you like a few seconds to be like, wait a minute, what's happening here? Like what's yeah. really happening yeah. before you like race down to the cupboard with the <laughs> the different flavors of crisps. The or... big gold star. <laughs> pick me, pick me. Exactly. <laughs> and the other thing too that I would just like to say is that what's lovely about clearing these distortion patterns around emotional eating is that eating becomes pleasurable without the guilt and the whatever and the whatever, whatever mm. that we have around it. Because for so many people, there's so much guilt and shame mm. around eating that when you eat, there's always this edge to it, you yeah. know, of like, you've been bad, et cetera, et cetera. Like, you know, there's a punishment thing to it as well. Yeah. So what's lovely about releasing these distortion patterns, I feel like, is it really is a form of liberation and you get to experience food and your body in a different way and your emotions in a different way. Mm. Because it's almost like a recognition that I need to, I'm stressed here. I need to do something else to take care of me right now because this is showing up, you know, like the little head of someone being like, you haven't dealt with this. You need to deal with this. It's becoming a problem, you know, but you don't even necessarily register it. So that that's what I'm saying. When you release the distortion patterns, you get to realize, wait a minute, something's happening here that is more than I really need to eat this. There's something emotional. And then what happens as your resonance gets higher is like, where's the distortion pattern that's causing the this emotion? right now in this moment in time? Okay, exactly. so you, what I'm hearing is you have this kind of layer or messy distortion patterns that need to be cleared 
and yeah. shifted. And then um, you can deal with the day to day when yes. it happens. Yes, ah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. All right. And the wonderful thing also about the Ending Emotional Eating series I wanted to mention is that um, we had a functional nutritional therapist there named Kristen Roll, who's amazing. Mm -hmm. And I always felt like as somebody who has experienced this herself, it's really important to have the distortion patterns and then strategies in the real world of like, how do I how do how do I deal with this? Like, what do I put in my cupboards? Like, what is good for me to eat? How do I, you know, does timing matter? Like all that sequence yes. of what I eat? Like, what am I supposed to be doing here? Because there's like five gajillion diets and like ways to eat and what you're supposed to. It's like overwhelming, quite frankly. Yeah. You're just like. Okay, I was going to ask this. you about that because, yeah. you know, a lot of therapists, nutritionists will say that blood sugar can have a huge impact on mm -hmm. your emotions, mm -hmm. not just what's happening in your environment and mm -hmm. the people that, that you're interacting with. Yeah. So I was wondering how that the two of them came together and yes. created the chaos that they can yes. create. Exactly. Know? So if you have the strategies to help you physically mm -hmm. and you have know-how of how to do that and then you have the frequency work, it's really magical because you get to have both. You yeah. Know? You have support on both levels. And for somebody who has struggled with emotional eating, I, I, I was like, for me, I need both. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that's in part why we gave it the way we did, because I felt like, I mean, you can do the frequency work, but if you, you don't know what to eat, then uh -huh. like physically, then what, right. are you gonna, what are you going to do? Yeah. You know? You're walking towards the cupboard <laughs> that you created and you're like, wait, I know this is not wrong, but what else is there? Yeah. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Because, I mean, I think uh, Kristen in her, in, in the whole program offers some actual meal plans. Yeah. Yeah. She? Well, she gives you a whole bunch of takeaways of a, like, she, the woman is like full of takeaways. Yeah, so yeah, it was yeah. really cool stuff about like what to eat, what will help you here, when to eat. Like it was very uh, helpful. Amazing. Uh, yeah, she's yeah. amazing. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Cool. Thank you. Thank you. For those of you who are new, we're about to start the group frequency calibration or GFC. This is the most important part of this episode because it's where we actually do the frequency work and where change is catalyzed. So I invite you to settle in and get comfortable. You can sit, stand, or lie down, or if you prefer to walk around slowly, you could even do that too. If during the GFC you find that you start falling asleep, even if you didn't feel tired when you started, just let yourself drift off. That just means that the frequencies are really high and it's more efficient for you to be asleep to integrate them. If this happens, it's good to listen to the GFC portion again a few times until you can stay awake for the whole thing. That's how you'll know you've integrated those higher resonating frequencies. Because I'm working on the frequency level, these GFCs are not like regular meditations, and many people find that they go into varying degrees of altered state. Please definitely do not drive while listening to this. Okay. Here we go. Welcome everyone to the group frequency calibration for when hunger is not the issue, transcending emotional eating. So this is an introductory GFC. For those of you who have more of a deep seated challenge with emotional or compulsive eating, I do recommend the ending emotional eating series. But this will help you as you approach the holidays and just in your everyday life when it comes to emotional and compulsive eating. So let's get started. Bringing your attention 
to your body. And as you bring your attention to the body, becoming aware of the heaviness of your body and the curvature of your body. So for your heaviness, noticing your weightedness as you settle into whatever is supporting you. Notice if you fight your heaviness, judge it, or resist it in some way. Just noticing. Allowing yourself to sink deeper into whatever is supporting you. Mm -hmm. And now becoming aware of the curve of your body. The curve of your thigh. Your butt, your hips. Your belly. The curve of your chin. Our body is full of curves. Noticing the curve, or I should say curves of body. Even if you are a male, you have curvature in your body. Good. And now please become aware of your breath. Just noticing it at first without changing it. Notice if you feel compelled to change it. And then allowing your breath to deepen to drop further into and to expand into the body. To become much more slow. Good. And now please imagine, sense, feel, or be aware of your breath expanding and contracting in all directions around you. And now please imagine your breath expanding and contracting in all directions around you like a balloon. Good. Cultivating spherical awareness, which is important if you want to experience more synchronicity, more magic, more flow.
Excellent. Yeah. And now please become aware of your surroundings. And as you become aware of your surroundings, noticing the soundscape around you, both on your end and on my end, Noticing, if you can, the direction and the relative distance from which the sound is coming. So, for example, you might hear directly to your right the sound of a pump very close to you. And then towards your front, a little further away, the rattling of air conditioning or heating. And beyond that, in the distance to your left, the sound of traffic in the distance. Whatever it is for you, noticing the texture and the layer of sound around you. Good. And now blink your eyes open and notice the quality of the light. The quality of the light is always, always changing. Depending on the time of day or the time of year, season, weather, all kinds of things affect the quality of the light and how you notice it. So just taking a couple of seconds to notice the quality of the light. And then please triangulate. So triangulation means to become aware of three inanimate objects in the space around you. What those objects are is not important. And what you're going to do is become aware of the distance between the object and you and then feel the distance between the object and you. So for example, let's imagine that object A is the desk. And the desk is about six feet to you. Becoming aware of the distance between the desk and you, and then feeling that distance. Mm -hmm. And you would do the same thing for objects B and C. And as you do this, your sense of where you are in space will become more refined, more clear, and more focused. Good. Bringing your attention to your heart space in the center of your chest and your nipple line. 
So you can bring a hand here or fingers here if that's helpful for you to keep your focus. Let's take a deep breath together, inhaling, holding your breath for a count of four. And whenever you finish that four count, releasing your breath, the speed and intensity you prefer, holding your exhaled breath out for a count of six. And whenever you have completed that one long single breath, breathing normally. And what we're waiting for is for the mastermind to coalesce and become coherent. When the mastermind becomes coherent, it starts to move very quickly and efficiently, which gives you more momentum as a participant to release your distortion patterns at a deeper level. So it's an important thing to wait for. In the interim, for those of you who are new, please know that I'm working on you at the group and the subgroup level. That I sometimes work in silence, and that is usually if the frequencies are very high. I also make sound. So if you hear me yawn, hum, or exhale sharply, that is because um, that happens sometimes when I'm releasing heavier or stickier distortion patterns. And if I say something that you really, really resonate with, it's likely a distortion pattern that you run. And if I say something that you really resist, it's also likely a distortion pattern that you run. So I suggest remaining open, curious, and to examine further. Good. Yep, so now that the mastermind has coalesced, keeping your attention in that heart space, let's go ahead and ask ourselves the question, how can I become even more aware of my connection only to pure source? And as you ask yourself that question, Please imagine, sense, feel, or be aware of a brilliance at your very core that starts to get brighter because you have your attention on it. And as it gets brighter, it expands outwards through all of your cells, out through your organs, your bones, 
out through your muscles, your flesh, and out through the pores of your skin into the space between your physical body and your outer perimeter of your spirit body, which is a sphere at arm's length all around you. Noticing the brilliance within the sphere. And now, please notice the space all around the sphere. And as you notice this infinite space, I'm pulling your frequency resonance or vibrational level even higher. How high your frequency resonance is influences everything from what your life looks like, how you feel about it, the abundance you experience, how much change you can sustain, the quality of your relationships. So this is one of the most important things we do together. Good. Bringing your attention now, please, to your xiphoid process, which is right at the base of your sternum. So your sternum is that big, thick bone in the center of your chest where your ribs meet in front of your body. If you trace your sternum from the hollow of your throat all the way down to its base, where it goes from bone to flesh, it's a little tender in that spot. That is your xiphoid process. So becoming aware of that spot. All right. So this has to do with identity. And your relationship with food based on who you think you are and how you think you should be with food, okay? what it means to you, what it means about you. Okay? So how you project that into the world as an image of how you are with food. Okay? Most people don't really think about that, but we're doing that all the time. Okay? So let's release that set of patterns here at this level of identity. So by releasing this, it starts to allow for a different kind of relationship with food because you're releasing an old pattern out of identity. So, if you hold on to the old patterns, it's really tough to have a new one. 
Good. Imagining softening or melting or dissolving or dropping in to this space in the body right beneath the sternum. Good. Becoming aware, please, of the inside of your lower ribs. Mm -hmm. So, often, eating is pleasurable. But in the everyday, it can be heavy with responsibility, having to deal with it, that type of thing. Okay? So I'm just going to release that. the heaviness of food choices, having to prep it, like how much time it takes. Okay, so even if you love food, it's like having to go deal with it. Even if you just go out to eat all the time, okay, there's heaviness around it. Good. And now in the heart space, we're going to become aware of this space even more, right in the center of the chest and the nipple line. Okay. So this is the pattern of shame. When you, and for some of you, actually, it's guilt. It depends on who you are. For some of you, you have both. When you eat something that you quote unquote shouldn't have. Okay? And so, more than just the physical sensation in your body of eating something that probably wasn't the best for you and causing a little inflammation or whatever's going on in the body, we're releasing the pattern of shame and guilt.
up. Becoming aware of, imagining, sensing, feeling that brilliance again from deep in the center of you, expanding out in all directions around you. Good. Yep. Excellent. Becoming aware now, please, of that xiphoid process and about three inches immediately beneath it or directly beneath it down towards the belly button. Yeah, we're just going to clear out the pain body because your pain body has a memory of you before the frequency work was done. So if we just clear it out and reset it, it will help you to integrate more efficiently. This takes a couple of seconds. Good. This brings us to the end of this group frequency calibration. I look forward to working with you on the next GFC. If the topic of this GFC resonates with you, it's very likely that more work than can be provided in this one GFC is needed to clear or loosen deeply held distortion patterns in areas that are sticky. Because these patterns are like layers of an onion, Usually, there are multiple layers to individual topics. Depending on how much of a challenge this topic is for you, it may make sense for you to go deeper than what this one session allows. If you feel this is the case for you, please visit sphericalluminosity.com for more targeted support. If you'd like an opportunity to ask me questions in real time, then subscribe to the Spherical Luminosity YouTube channel and click the reminder bell to be notified when I'm about to go on live. For the latest news about upcoming events and to be notified when sessions with me are released, subscribe to our newsletter. Join us and let's rise together.